Eternal God, in the reading of the scripture, may your word be heard. In the meditations of our hearts, may your word be known. And in the faithfulness of our lives, may your word be shown. Amen. The scripture reading today is from uh, Exodus chapter 16. The whole Israelite community set out from Elam and came to the Sin Desert, which is located between Elam and Sinai. They sat out on the fifteenth day of the second month, after they had left the land of Egypt. The whole Israelite community complained against Moses and Aaron in the desert. The Israelites said to them, Oh, how we wish that the Lord had just put us to death while we were still in the land of Egypt. There we could sit by the pots, cooking meat and eat our fill of bread. Instead, you've brought us out into the desert to starve the whole assembly to death. Then the Lord said to Moses, I'm going to make it bread rain down from the sky for you. The people will go out each day and gather just enough for that day. In this way, I'll test them to see whether or not they follow my instruction. On the sixth day, when they measure out what they have collected, it will be twice as much as they have collected on other days. So Moses and Aaron said to all the Israelites, This evening you will know that it was the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt. And in the morning you will see the Lord's glorious presence, because your complaints against the Lord have been heard. Who are we? Why blame us? Moses continued. The Lord will give you meat to eat in the evening and your fill of bread in the morning, because the Lord heard the, the complaints you made against him. Who are we? Your complaints aren't against us, but against the Lord. Then Moses said to Aaron, Say to the whole Israelite community, Come near to the Lord, because he's heard your complaints. As Aaron spoke to the whole Israelite community, they turned to look toward the desert, and just then the glorious presence of the Lord appeared in the cloud. The Lord spoke to Moses, I have heard the complaints of the Israelites. Tell them, at twilight you will eat meat, and in the morning you will have your fill of bread. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God. In the evening a flock of quail flew down and covered the camp, and in the morning there was a layer of dew all around the camp. When the layer of dew lifted, there on the desert surface were thin flakes, as thin as frost on the ground. When the Israelites saw it, they said to each other, what is this? They didn't know what it was. Moses said to them, This is the bread that the Lord has given you to eat. This is what the Lord has commanded. Collect as much of it as each of you can eat, one omer per person. You may collect for the number of people in your household. The Israelites did as Moses said, some collecting more, some collecting less. But when they measured it out by the omer, the ones who had collected more had nothing left over and the ones who had collected less had no shortage. Everyone collected just as much as they could eat. So, my, uh, when my daughter was growing up, there was a TV show that we used to watch that I really liked. And um, I liked it because... Oh, let me switch this view. I liked it because it had... Um, it had just as much uh, content for the adults who were watching... Uh, as for the children who were watching, it had just as many, as many jokes and as many um, deep thoughts as well uh, for both, and it was a it was a really good show. And that show um, is still on the air, uh, amazingly, and it's called SpongeBob SquarePants. <laughs> I'm sure some of you um, know of it. 
And one of my favorite episodes of SpongeBob SquarePants is the episode about the magic conch. So to set up the episode, the three main characters, SpongeBob, his best friend Patrick, and his co-worker Squidward, decide to go camping. And they get horribly lost in a kelp forest, and they can't find their way out. And so, lost and unsure what to do, Squidward asks what they should do, and uh, SpongeBob says they should listen to the magic conch, because the magic conch knows all. And the magic conch is a conch shell, and it's got a pull string on it. When you pull the string, it says something. And it's supposed to be like one of those, um, you know, gimmicky toy uh, toys where you would pull the string, and it would, a random, it would say a random saying after that. And so he says, Magic Conch, what should we do? And he pulls the string, and it says nothing. And uh, SpongeBob and Patrick, who are devout followers of the Magic Conch, go, great, and they sit, they just sit down and do nothing. And Squidward starts freaking out. Squidward just doesn't know what to do about that. He, he, he feels like he has to do something. He can't just sit there. Why are they just sitting there? And so he goes digging around in the, in the kelp forest trying to get out and eventually discovers um, that he can't find his way out, he doesn't, he doesn't find any food, he comes back to the camp, and in the meantime, the two are sitting there, and um, a plane going overhead has dropped um, a tent, and a picnic table, and an entire feast, and a, and a campfire, and everything out of the, out of the plane is laying for them um, to eat, and so they're fine. But then they won't let him eat, because won't let Squidward eat because he doesn't, he doesn't believe in the magic conch, and so they ask the magic conch, um, if Squidward can eat, and it says no. And there's a whole story that goes on from this, but that's the the gist of of the episode. And I always thought it was it was funny because it's um, it's definitely talking about I think about people uh, who put their trust in God and how much trust do we put in God and and um, how do we let go of our own our own need to be in control and and let God uh, be in control. So in the story from the Bible that we've we've heard today. We are back with Moses and the Israelites. Now, the last time we saw Moses, he was in Midian um, with his uh, father-in-law and his brother Aaron, and God had told him to go back to Egypt and uh, and free the people. And what we've missed since then is uh, a portion of uh, of the Bible that is really well known in popular culture. It has to do with Moses going back and and confronting the Pharaoh and getting the Pharaoh to to let the Israelites go, and uh, the most well-known aspects of the story are, of course, the ten plagues that God uh, uh, causes to occur uh, against the Egyptians, uh, and the Egyptians escape from—I uh, mean, the Israelites escape from from Egypt uh, at the end um, after the killing of the firstborn and the Passover, of course, which is when um, God tells Moses to tell the people to to slaughter uh, a lamb and to paint the uh, the door frame of their house with the blood of the lamb and that that will cause the spirit of death to pass over them uh, when the, when God goes to kill the firstborn. So the firstborn of the Israelites are, are fine, but the firstborn of everything else in Egypt um, is, is killed. And that begins the, the Passover meal, which is a very a very important uh, very important um, uh, ritual and, and remembrance uh, in the Jewish uh, community to this day still, and is uh, seen in the Christian community through uh, the Eucharist and the communion service. And so, uh, after that, they escape from from the Egyptians, and they end up at uh, what is sometimes translated as the Red Sea, and sometimes translated as uh, the Reed Sea. 
And um, there's some debate on which of those translations is correct, but it, from our point of view, it's not super important which one of those is, is correct. But the important part is they come to the sea and they're stuck. Um, you know, on one side of them is the water, and the other side is the Egyptian army. And Moses um, uh, splits the sea uh, and to create dry land, and the, the Israelites walk across the, the dry land to their side. And in the middle of, the, uh, of their crossing, the Egyptians begin to follow them. When they reach the other side, uh, Moses causes the water to come back down and, and drown the Egyptian army. And that's when they're finally free of the Egyptians. And they turn and enter into the desert to, to go first to Mount Sinai and then on to the promised land, to, to Canaan. And so we, we catch up with our, uh, with our Israelite adventurers here in the story now. With them after they've finished all of that, after they've left, they've, they've camped for a night uh, after escaping uh, through, the, through the sea. And now they've left, and they're going into the wilderness, and they're going to be traveling through this desert for a while until they reach Mount Sinai, the mountain where uh, Moses will receive uh, the uh, will receive God's law from um, from God on on the mountain. So they're going into the desert, and there's there's lots of them. You know, the Bible says that there are you know that, that there's this huge number of Israelites coming to the desert, and so they've left. But the, when they left, they had to leave with just what they could carry. Um, because they had to leave in a hurry, so they they were told to to leave, you know, leave everything that wasn't important. Take you know, they they took uh, uh, money and and um, gold and trinkets and things from their from their Egyptian neighbors as as they left, kind of robbed the Egyptians as they as they left um, and fled and left. You know, the, uh, this is where we get the the unleavened bread reference in Passover because they didn't they didn't have time to leaven the bread. They just had to take. And what they had, and, and cook unleavened bread. So now they find themselves in the wilderness, and they're they're worried if you know how they're going to how they're going to survive. And first, uh, we miss a, a, a passage where he, they they ask for water, and Moses uh, uh, strikes a rock, and water comes out, and they're able to to have water. And now they're complaining that they don't have any food, and so um, Moses speaks to God, and God has heard their their complaints. And decides to uh, to to give them um, to give them food, and it's interesting because what we see throughout the entire uh, the Israelites' entire time in the desert, in in their their exodus, in their migration through the desert on the way to Canaan, is that they complain all the time. They they just they're constantly complaining. They're constantly upset, uh, and you know it, it comes across as as being. Um, ungrateful you know that god has freed them from from slavery in egypt and all they can talk about is that they don't have any food that they're that they're hungry you know as if god wouldn't provide for them if god had had taken them out of egypt you know like um, and so god becomes frustrated with with the israelites uh, during this time and on several occasions moses has to has to intervene and and kind of um intervene for for the israelites and say you know and, and kind of uh, come back into God's good, good graces, and so this is maybe one of those examples. And God says in the uh, in the text, you know, that God's going to going to uh, try them. You know, is going going to to uh, use this bread that he that God's going to create from from nothing. You know, the the bread from heaven as a test to see if they'll follow God's laws because 
because the bread isn't free, the bread comes with um, requirements and the and the require with a command with a law. And the command is you'll only take as much as you need. And on Saturday you'll gather twice as much. And on Sunday you won't gather any at all. And what we don't see in the reading uh, today, because it continues after that, is is that some of the of the people, of course, don't listen, and so they they take the food, the the, the manna, the um, the bread from heaven, and they're they're eating the uh, the food for dinner and everything, and then they they keep some to the next day, which they're told they shouldn't do. And in the morning, it is rotten and horrible, and then, you know can't be eaten. They have to throw it out. And then um, they collect twice as much as normal on Saturday. So on Sunday, they're supposed to rest. They're not supposed to take, um, to, to go out and, and collect the food. But some of them do anyway. And um, when God sees that some of them have gone out and collected the food, he gets really angry. God gets really angry at, at Moses, and Moses has to, you know, has to intervene. So we see this, this continual story, that the people are not really willing to... Um, to follow God's commandments on the one hand, but also to trust, to really trust that God is going to provide for them. They they really need to have their own control. They need to say, well, no, I'm not going to throw this out. I don't care what Moses and Aaron said. Um, you know, this is good food. I'm going to keep it. Or, you know, I know Moses and Aaron said not to go out on Sunday and, and pick up food, but that's ridiculous. The food will just go to waste. I should go up and pick it up. So it's through this this bread from heaven, this bread from heaven, that God tests the people and kind of tries to find out how well they're going to listen, how well they're going to, to trust God. Now, the, the name of, of the, uh, the sermon today, manna from heaven, which is a, a term I've heard you know, growing up many times. And manna is actually the, the Greek transliteration of the word that is used in Hebrew in the Old Testament, which is, which is man. Um, and it literally means what? So the, the first thing they say when they, when they see the bread from heaven as this kind of thin sheet on the ground that have been left after the dew has evaporated, is they say, what is it? What is it? And that's what they call it. Man, man, you know, or man. Um, and so that manna means what is it? What is it? So it doesn't even have a name. They don't even know what it is. Um, but it's the bread from heaven. Now, we see this same bread from heaven theme multiple times uh, in the Old Testament and the New Testament, especially the New Testament, because Jesus refers to himself as the bread from heaven. And uh, in our uh, in the, the prayer that Jesus taught us, uh, we ask you know each day for our daily bread. Again, that's that's an allusion back to the story where every day we're given our daily bread, and we only need to worry about the bread we have we have for today. Um, oh, sorry, I totally forgot I had this, this slide, but this is, this is a map of the Sinai Peninsula. It gives you an idea the, uh, of how the, um, how the Israelites escaped from Egypt up here in the north. It's a couple of different places where the, that might be the sea that they're talking about. Then they come down the peninsula, and then they go out across the desert um, to Mount Sinai. So, um, so you know, what do we kind of gain, gather from this story? You know, we gather that human beings, in general, like to be in control. We don't like to leave things up to other people. And this is something that that you know we learn 
growing up, we learn um, through our whole lives, we experience over and over again. If you've ever been in a position uh, of leadership or a position of you know where you're managing a team or you're or you're leading a group, it can be really hard to give up control and let other people do things. Um, when you have, if if you decide to have children and um, and you have children, uh, it can be really hard to let your children fail um, by by giving them the opportunity to do something that you know they're not going to be able to do as well as you could do. This this um, unwillingness to give up control is something that we see you know time and time again in the in the scriptures and of course in the human experience. It's you know trusting others just doesn't come naturally to us, and trusting God comes even less naturally. It's even harder for us to trust in God who we can't see, God who who we don't um, you know, interact with on an on a daily basis directly. To trust that God is going to provide for us is very difficult. And there are times in our life when we just have to let go, and we have to trust that God will provide for us. And that doesn't mean being completely, um, you know, it doesn't mean being, uh, you know, just sitting down and doing nothing and waiting for God to, to fix, magically fix everything for us, but it means trusting that, that God has our best interests at heart and that, and that God will provide. And there's a, there's a quote in the, in the New Testament, in the Gospel of Matthew that I, I really like, and I, I wanted to share it with y'all on this topic. Therefore I say to you, don't worry about your life what you'll eat or what you'll drink, or about your body, what you'll wear. Isn't life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds in the sky. They don't sow seed or harvest grain or gather crops into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Aren't you worth much more than they are? Who among you, by worrying, can add a single moment to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? Notice how the lilies in the field grow. They don't wear themselves out with work, and they don't spin cloth. But I say to you that even Solomon in all of his splendor wasn't dressed like one of these. If God dresses grass in the field so beautifully, even though it's alive today and tomorrow it's thrown into the furnace, won't God do much more for you, you people of weak faith? Therefore don't worry and say, what are we going to eat, or what are we going to drink, or what are we going to wear? Gentiles long for all these things, but your Heavenly Father knows that you need them. Instead, desire first and foremost God's kingdom and God's righteousness, and all these things will be given to you. Therefore, stop worrying about tomorrow, because tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble on its own. When have you trusted in God to provide for you? When have you not trusted in God? When have you not been able to let go? When have you been in a situation that was beyond your comfort zone, that you just couldn't let go of it, couldn't let it be, you had to be in control of the situation? You know, the magic conch is, of course, satire. And, uh, you know, we learn something both from Squidward and Patrick's acceptance of the magic conch and from Squidward's unwillingness to accept it. Um, you know, we don't, we don't want to find ourselves really in the position of, uh, of uh, Spongebob and Patrick who are completely passive in their acceptance 
of, of what's going on. They're just going to sit and wait, and good things will come to them. And yet, at the same time, we don't want to find ourselves in Squidward's position, where he drives himself mad, trying to control a situation that he, that he has no control over. Instead, we have to find some kind of middle ground. We have to be willing in, in times when we are uncertain, in times when we are scared, in times when we're worried, in times when we're just kind of past the point of our comfort zone. We need to be willing to let go and trust in God. But at the same time, we also need to be looking and listening. We need to be listening for God's answers to our prayers. We need to be looking for the people that God has sent us to help. What are the things that we should do now? What are the things that you are dealing with now that would be made easier by a little trust in God? I hope this week you'll think about that and pray for those things that you need and pray that not not our will, but that God's will be done. Amen.